Today on this great feast, let's take a real brief overview about the teaching of the church on the kingship of Christ. Now we have to always keep in mind that man has fallen from grace. After the fall, heaven was slammed shut and Satan and sin ruled the earth. Man's passions are disordered and his intellect becomes darkened. His will is weakened and he now has trouble struggling to do the good. As we all know, man now naturally tends towards selfishness to seek his own personal desires without thinking of the common good and without thinking about God. And this cannot be fixed without grace. Thanks a lot, Adam. On top of that, man had absolutely no way to redeem himself. But God loves us and he had mercy on us, and so he sent down his son to save us. So our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ became man. And by his passion and death upon the cross, he paid our debt. In return for his infinitely pleasing sacrifice, our Lord, in his sacred humanity, received gifts, including, among other things, power. How much power? He answers that question at the end of St. Matthew's Gospel when he declared, All power is given to me in heaven and on earth. All power. Now let's take a moment to think about that. Since all power is being given to our Lord, that means that all power passes through Christ and it comes from Christ. In other words, every last speck of power in this society or any other, whether it be the power a kid exercises over his dog, a mother over her children, a father over his wife and family, a boss over his workers, governor over his state, President, Congress, Supreme Court, over the nation, every last speck of that power is Christ's, all that authority, all authority in every society, be it a family, city, state, or nation, all authority comes from Christ, and it depends on him. Since all authority on earth comes from Christ, then he's the true king of all societies. Leo XIII made this very clear, quote, Christ's empire includes not only Catholic nations, not only baptized persons who, though of right belonging to the church, have been led astray by error or have been cut off from her by schism, but also all those who are outside the Christian faith, so that truly the whole of mankind is subject to the power of Jesus Christ. Close quote, the vicar of Christ. Truly, the whole of mankind is subject to the power of Jesus Christ. Christ is the king in both public and private life. And since he's the king of all nations, and since he's also God, all nations owe him public worship, and their authority belongs to him. And we have the right to have our Lord's kingship publicly acknowledged. That's our right. Furthermore, there will be serious consequences if Christ is not publicly honored as king. Pope Pius XI remarks on this, quote, With God and Jesus Christ excluded from political life, with authority not derived from God, but from man, the very basis of that authority has been taken away. 
because of the chief reason of the distinction between ruler and subject has been eliminated. The result is that human society is tottering to its fall because it has no longer a secure and solid foundation. Close quote, the vicar of Christ. With God and Jesus Christ excluded from political life, human society is tottering to its fall because it has no longer a secure and solid foundation. Well, just look around. Okay, now that we've taken a quick look at the teaching of the church about the kingship of Christ, let's take a quick look at the response of the government of our beloved country to this truth of our faith. Now, before we do that, we need to remind ourselves as Catholics we're commanded to love our homeland. That's an obligation. We are obliged to love our country, but of course, we have to love church more. Now, let's consider the bold experiment here in America in the light of our faith. The first thing to notice about our bold experiment is that it's pretty bold. How bold is it? Well, a recent decision of the U.S. Supreme Court contains an absolutely marvelous line that sums up the official position, or perhaps we should call it the official boldness of the United States of America with respect to the kingship of Christ. That line is found in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Just in case you're not familiar with this decision, it was written by a Reagan appointee. It upheld Roe versus Wade and was handed down on June 29th 1992, the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul. U.S. Supreme Court, quote, At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Close quote. At the heart of liberty is the right. The right to define one's own concept of existence, of the meaning of the universe, and the mystery of human life. Well, that's bold, all right. What is the Supreme Court saying? You decide. You have the right to define your own concept of existence. Well, to our Supreme Court, we say, excuse me, you fools. Where did we get that right? Where did it come from? Did you bring liberty into existence? Did you make the universe? No? No? Well, all right then, why don't we check with the maker? The maker of the universe, quote, Know you not that you are not your own? You're bought with a great price. Close quote. Third person of the most blessed trinity. Well, if we're not our own, then we don't get to define our own concept of existence, of meaning of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. That's God's department, and only God's department. Doesn't that Supreme Court line sound familiar? That line about defining our own concept of existence. Where have we heard that before? Where have we heard that before? And the serpent said, You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And isn't that just how our leaders are acting? As if they can decide good and evil. It shouldn't surprise any one of us that this very decision was used earlier this summer as a precedent for the case of Lawrence versus Texas.
which decriminalized one of the most heinous crimes against nature, one of the four sins which cry out to heaven for vengeance. Now we're four for four. Claiming that we can determine our own concept of existence is a mortal sin against the first commandment. And the first commandment is first because it's the most important. This is idolatry. It's putting man in the place of God. Christ is the king, not us. We're creatures, not gods. But that's not the only officially approved heinous sin against the first commandment here in these United States. Besides this idolatrous position, all the following are legal and readily available throughout the states. Psychics, tarot cards, Ouija boards, witchcraft books. Just the other day I saw a billboard right here in Kansas City advertising a witch and psychic fair right here. And incredibly enough, Satan worship is actually legal. But this isn't just a fault to the courts. Ask yourself, which political party has made the absolute destruction of all idolatry a plank in their platform? Which political party stands with Christ the King? Our Lord's words are clear. He who is not with me is against me. Consider the second commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Blasphemies are commonplace on the street, in books, films, videos. They're even broadcast on the airwaves and circling our grove. Now ask yourself, which political party has made the absolute ending of all blasphemy a plank in their platform? Which political party stands with Christ the King? After all, he who's not with me is against me. How about the third commandment? Keep holy the Sabbath. Consider the fact that unnecessary servile work and shopping on Sundays and holy days of obligation is commonplace. It almost seems like people deliberately go out of their way to offend God by doing their yard work on Sundays. And even Catholics dare to go shopping after Mass. Now ask yourself, which political party is trying to resurrect the laws against this sort of behavior? Which one has that as a plank on their platform? Which political party stands with Christ the King? He who is not with me is against me. We've got one party that can't find an immoral activity that they don't love, and another party that can't find an immoral activity that they really hate. Either we're with God or we're against Him. There is no middle ground. And it's pretty obvious where they've all cast their lots. Look, it's so bad we've got political action committees to defend illegal alien rights, women's rights, perverts' rights, animal rights, plants' rights, insect rights, and probably even fungus rights. But the three commandments that deal with God's rights are all being broken everywhere, all throughout our nation, right in God's face, with the official permission and approval of the government. Federal, state, and local. And there isn't a political party that gives a hoot about God's rights. Not one. Or about the social rights and the reign of Jesus Christ the King. And if you really want something to meditate on, go ahead and spend some time thinking about the rest of the Ten Commandments 
and the four deadly sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance and see exactly where our beloved country stands with respect to the rest of God's commandments. Not options, not good ideas, commandments. Small wonder they're busy ripping down all the public displays of the Ten Commandments everywhere in our nation. But why should we be surprised? Actually, America's bold experiment has succeeded. What are you talking about, Father? Our bold experiment has succeeded. We've boldly tried to do everything without reference to the kingship of Christ. And now we're very boldly proving the principle, the principle that man naturally tends towards selfishness, that man naturally tends to seek his own personal desires without thinking of the common good, without thinking about God. We've proved the principle that these problems can't be fixed naturally. They can only be fixed with grace. We boldly proved that the popes are right because by excluding God and Jesus Christ from political life, our society is certainly tottering to its fall because it no longer has a secure and sound foundation. So the bold experiment of probably setting off without God has succeeded. It's succeeding by humbling us and showing us there are no lasting solutions outside the social reign of Christ the King. We should have been listening to the church and her vicars all along. We need to keep one thing firmly in mind when politicians start talking. If they're not calling for the reign of Christ the King, then exactly whose rule are they preparing us for? It's absolutely impossible to fix our society while ignoring Christ's kingship. And that has to start right here, on our knees. What we do in here determines what goes on out there. We're living in a fantastic time to become saints. And we of all people should be thankful, profoundly thankful, that we're Catholic that we can show God that we love Him. We have the sacraments. We have the channels by which grace flows down from heaven and into souls of men. We should show God our gratitude and faithfulness to our King by staying close to Him with fervent communions and confession every week or two. We should stay very close to His Blessed Mother by saying our rosary or in our scapular, saying the three Hail Marys in morning at night. And we of all people should strive to do our duty in our state and life and trust God that he has a plan to make us saints if we'll just let him. In a few minutes, the heavenly floodgates will open right up there and grace will come pouring down out across earth in purgatory. Thank God that you're Catholic. Thank God you can assist at the holy sacrifice of the Mass and prepare yourself.